right now that, that our hearts are in. We live there in a place where our world is becoming more and more divisive. moment that we stand amazed at your presence, at your beauty, at the wonder of how you could love each and every one of us, laws and all, how you could continue to pick us up, place your arms around us. God, I pray that we live in that moment, in that beauty. guides us daily. And if right now our hearts seem distant from you, that we would surrender. That we would submerge our stories to your will. Our brokenness doesn't define us. Our weakness doesn't control us. Because you are a God of power. You are a God of healing. And we stand amazed at your presence. We love you. dive into your word right now. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You guys can be seated. 
right, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like a free one, just uh, raise your hand and, and Tony will gladly run one to you. Uh, it could be our gift to you if you just promise to read it from time to time. Uh, and so uh, for a few weeks now, we've been walking uh, very patiently through Hebrews chapter, specifically since we came back, uh, chapters 8, 9, and in 10, as we explore uh, the covenant that God makes with us, which is secured uh, by Jesus. And, and I'm not sure if we carry a proper appreciation uh, in our days of, of the weight that covenants should carry in our lives. I mean, we can, we can look at our current society and, uh, and we can see the strain of, of attempting to be people of our words, but, but as you read the Bible, mankind uh, by large has always had a challenge with being uh, covenant breakers. And, and what we find, especially in the early parts of the Bible, is uh, that, that God desires to have relationship with us. Uh, in fact, he, he desires to have relationship with His chosen people, and so He makes promises to them about his provision and his protection and, and the relationship that is possible with him. And now, with, with God being holy, uh, the conditions of the covenant that he makes is contingent on uh, really uh, people's pursuit of living, uh, firstly for the glory of his name, and then also walking according to his commandments. And, and this is where our Western culture uh, really tends to be rubbed the wrong way because we don't like anybody telling us what to do. Uh, even if we think it's a good idea, we don't want people telling us that it's a good idea. We were like, yes, absolutely, I know that. Stop telling me what to do. Uh, and and now and I think so. So the argument is kind of brought up in this regard that that God is is being overreaching uh, or uh, he's being over demanding by telling us. Uh, that the requirement to have a relationship with him is that we would live according to his ways. And, and so the, and the truth is, uh, his law and, or his commandments or his statutes, however you want to, to call them, uh, that, that he has, or they're actually paths to health and joy and peace. And so, so he has shown us in his law how to live our very best lives, that his law is not restricting, that it is actually very liberating. Uh, and, and I get that it's easy for a guy like me in a position like mine to say that to you, and it might be another thing for you to actually walk in the light of it, uh, but, but I believe firmly the more we understand the heart of the Father, and the more we spend time in the Word, the more we get to see that those things that at one time I thought was keeping me from freedom is actually making freedom more available to me. And so, as early as we get into the, the book of Exodus, uh, God gives the law and enters into covenant with us. In fact, it's the second covenant that we find in the Bible that, that's really created. It's called the Mosaic uh, Covenant. And, and this is in part uh, what we've been referencing to for uh, a few weeks now, in that uh, there's an old covenant and there's a new covenant. Uh, that the old covenant brought with it the law and, and the need for sacrifices of animals and, and offerings presented by the priest. And, and this covenant was 
uh, as the writer of Hebrews will tell us, was a shadow. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a placeholder uh, until the time of the new covenant. And so, so the new covenant isn't a uh, God went to the, the woodshed and came back and he's like, guys, I got an even better plan now. Uh, but, but that the, the, the old covenant was a picture of what would come in fulfillment of the new covenant. And so, so as, as God brings uh, those demands, what the writer of Hebrews desperately, desperately wants to prove for us and for us to see is how Jesus is the fulfillment of the old covenant demands by bringing us into a new covenant where his life and his death and his ascension into heaven secures for us all the promises of God. Every single one of them. And in these past few weeks, the process uh, has really been about exploring how Jesus is the son of, of the better covenant and who secures for us an eternal redemption, uh, who pleads for us uh, and who perfects us. That's what we talked about last week, how, how we are made perfect in the eyes of God uh, through uh, Jesus. And this is all, guys, this is all great news uh, for us, even though the argument is built in our inadequacies and, and in our sinfulness. And, and so uh, the passage before us this morning, I think if you've spent much time in the church or if you've spent time in the Word, uh, I think it's, it's a fairly recognizable uh, passage. But, and, and really for us, it's the climax of what we've been exploring since July. Uh, and so, so each week we've been patiently walking as the writer says, okay, this is true. Okay, now because this is true, this is true. Now because that is true, this is true. And we've been building to this singular um, truth, this declaration that he has. In fact, we get to celebrate the door that Jesus opens and, and the invitation uh, that we get for drawing near you know, the relationship that God has made available for us. That's what we get to celebrate. And so as we do that, let's, let's pause just for a moment and let's pray. Father, we come to you and we are so thankful that your son is marvelous and that we can, we can sing and we can proclaim and we can shout and we can dance because we are made, we are set free in him. And what we pray over these next few minutes, Father, is that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and reveal things to us about about what your Son has made possible in, in our relationship with you. So, Father, we ask these things not because we have any right to demand them from you. We ask them simply because you tell us to call out to you. We ask these things because you say you care about us. So, Father, we... We sit here knowing today that it is only by your grace that we hear the beauty of the gospel. And so we pray that that would happen today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, so, so we're going to chew on uh, seven verses this morning. And if you're like, hey, seven verses. Uh, last week we were at 15 verses and that guy talked forever. Maybe he'll talk half the time. I won't. Uh, because these seven verses are full of inc 
incredible truths. And so, so these seven verses we're, we're going to chew on, or we're going to do it kind of in two bites. Okay? Uh, the, the first we're going to see, uh, really it's this, this good old-fashioned cause and effect. That's what the writer is going to give us. Uh, that, that the first bite we're going to take is we're going to see that because something has happened, there will be an effect to it. And so first, let's, let's dive in. Uh, let's start in verse 19. Chapter 10, verse 19. He says this, Therefore, therefore, now that's a good word to square, underline, circle, whatever you do in your Bible. Therefore, brothers, uh, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Okay, so here, here's ultimately what he is saying. That therefore is connecting us to the work of Jesus. And it's simply this, that because of Jesus, we can have confidence, our sins are forgiven, and we have access to God. That's what he's telling us. That because of Jesus, we, can have, we have confidence, our sins are forgiven, and we have access to God. So, so let's unpack that just for a bit. Verse 19 begins with a huge word, therefore. And this word, again, it's tremendously important to us. Because by it, we are connected to the groundwork that the writer uh, has laid. And, and then we're catapulted into what comes next. Uh, we, we can travel through really the last nine chapters of Hebrews, but, but ultimately uh, what has been already said in chapter 10 is sufficient to see what's been said. That the sacrifice of Jesus is both sufficient and it's sustaining when it comes to the forgiveness of our sins. Again, that was our issue with the Old Covenant, right? Uh, that, that our sins could be forgiven, but they couldn't be forgiven once and for all. So you would have to continually come in and offer that sacrifice. The priest would have to come in and offer that sacrifice on, on your behalf. But Jesus, his sacrifice is sufficient and it's sustaining. So, so he is our great high priest. And his single sacrifice has been accepted by the Father. And as verse 18 says, uh, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So, so since that is a truth, and that's established and declared by God, we have access to Him. And, and I want you to note just how the writer declares the posture of the forgiven as they come before God. It says, says that we can go before God with confidence by the blood of Jesus. With confidence by the blood of Jesus. Now, now be mindful, you have access to enter the most holy of places when you draw near. And so, so that is a truth that we should not come carelessly or flippantly, that, that our access came at a great cost, uh, and the room we get to enter is not like any other. That, that, that in this room, as the writer is describing to us, the presence and the fullness of God resides there. That this is the place that one day, if you are found in Christ, you will see God in His fullness. But for today, this is where every prayer you pray and every, every praise that you sing enters into this throne room. And, and so, 
And, and not only do our words and our prayers and our songs and our adorations get directed into that room, they get directed to our Father who hears them and who is attentive to them. And so, so the writer says, says, our access is granted by the blood of Jesus. And then he describes this new and this living way that he's opened for us uh, that we get to celebrate in a great truth. And so, so, so here's, here's, here's a beautiful truth. That the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, has been shed for you so that your sins are forgiven and the holiness of God, the holiness of God will not consume you, but it can thrill you. Apart from Him, it consumes us. Apart from Him, there, there is nothing but righteous anger and wrath towards sin. But now because of Jesus, our hearts can be thrilled in the presence of our Heavenly Father. Now here's another truth, that, that the way to God is new. It's not the old covenant with dead animals and priests who die and, and have to be replaced. It's a, it's a living way with, with one sacrifice, one priest being Jesus. And, and so He's alive and He intercedes for you. And this is our cause for the effect. Because of what Jesus has done, there is an effect. And this is about, this is about to be explained to us. And so, so since we have access to the throne room, and since we have a great high priest who serves as our, as our mediator, the writer is going to invite us into th- with this next phrase. And it begins with two words. Because of what Jesus has done, let us. And he's going to direct us to two places. The first place is this. It says, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. So let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure with um, sorry, pure water. And so, so it's a straightforward command. Draw near to God. Draw near. That's what the writer is encouraging us to do. There's only one exhortation. If you pull away all the, all the defining uh, and the qualifying phrases and clauses, it simply says this, Therefore, brothers, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Let us draw near with a true heart and assurance of faith that we have been cleansed from sin. We've been set free. That's what we just got to sing. That we've been cleansed from sin, so we are set free. He has, the, uh, the writer has one simple and deep and high and holy and happy, seemingly impossible goal for his readers. Says, so draw near. Now the question, we've been answering it. Draw near to what? <laughs> draw, draw near to who? And it's not, it's not hard to find out. This is a favorite phrase uh, that the writer uses. In fact, there's seven different instances. We're just, I'm going to give you three of them. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. He says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe 
that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That, that the great passion of this writer is that we would draw near to God. That our wondering hearts would find a resting place in him. That we come to his throne to find all the help we need. That, that we come to him confident that he will reward us with all that is uh, made available for us in Jesus. And now, now the question is, is how do we go before a holy God? And that's an important question. Especially if we know that, that our sin creates the separation to begin with. And so we do this by holding fast to our confession of who Jesus is. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is promised, I'm sorry, he who promised is faithful. Talking about when Jesus says that, that the way to the Father is through me, that he is faithful to that promise. When he says, I go and I lay myself, my life down as, as a sheep before the wolves. When he says, I go and I give myself as a ransom for many, it is by that that we can lean and we can place our entire lives on that truth. Because he is faithful. Now what we're going to see is how the next few verses are fueled by our confidence to draw near to God. We can have this confidence because God is for you. And that, that if you trust him and you follow his way of love, he will meet every need according to the riches of glory in Jesus. In fact, John Piper said it this way. He says, The root of all love and goodness is belief in the promises of God. And that's where a lot of us, that's what a lot of us have to wrestle with. Do I really believe in the promises of God? And I think much of our lives are reflections that we don't. That we don't really, we, we'll say that we believe in the promises of God, but then where we go seek um, satisfaction, where we seek security, all tell a story about where we truly are resting and, and where we truly are placing our hope. Oh my gosh. I thought, that was gonna fall, I thought the AC was falling down and this was happening. All right. So everything in, in verses 19 through 23 is meant to help us draw near to God by giving us knowledge. And he gives us knowledge so that we can walk on purpose in God's direction. And now, now we have two more verses we still need to address, but, but note how they're connected uh, with what we've been talking about already. Verse, verse 24 opens with the third, let us. Right? Not let us like lettuce, like a salad, but let us, Finley. Finley's like, gosh, are we talking about salad this morning? Nobody wants a salad. Nobody, all right? So let us, verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, as you see the day, Drawing near. Alright, so here we go. Because of Jesus, we can have confidence our sins are forgiven and we have access to God. Therefore, let us draw near to God. And then secondly, draw near to one another. Let us draw near to one another. This is, this is one, of our, uh, one of our biblical foundations of, 
of merge guides around here, right? We have, we have three of them. Uh, the first one being uh, that we have a desire to show the love of God. Uh, then secondly, we want to seek adventures of the God side, size. And then thirdly, uh, we want to build community centered around our relationship with God. Uh, it says that the love of Christ binds us together in perfect unity. And so, so just think about it. That, that love is the premier fruit of the Holy Spirit. So, so it always comes first. Love is the first and the great commandment. And then it's the second commandment. And, and love fulfills the whole law. That love is the greatest of faith, hope, and love. And yet God has ordained that this love, this, this all-important reality, that it rise and it fall in the church with our willingness to meet with each other and, and encourage each other and stir up each other. And the purpose of, of every, every biblical community should be to keep the love of its members warm. That we would be known by those things. And so, so if, we're, if we just took these two verses... We could say that the biblical rationale for walking in community with a body of believers is done with three things in mind. Two positives, one negative. That number one, that we do stir up one another. And number two, that we do not neglect one another. And then thirdly, that we do encourage one another. And you're like, man, that seems really simple. Like, like, so simple that we might be able to do that with just a little bit of effort, right? Uh, so how about we make it more difficult or more complex so that we don't, so that we can just walk in guilt-free? So when we talk about stirring up, that, that means to consider our relationships with one another, and because of our love for Jesus, we refuse to allow idleness or, or apathy get in the way of our pursuits of, of living out the gospel. This, this prods one another in accountability and a mutual desire for God's glory to be seen uh, in this world. Uh, this week, I was allowed to see really just a beautiful expression of, of what happens when we stir one another up in love and, and specifically good deeds. Uh, in fact, one of our mergers around here, uh, her name's uh, Michelle McKitty, uh, call her Mac, um, and, and, and she has a, a burning desire to step into the gap and, and to risk and play a part in ending human trafficking. Uh, and, and that's happening not just, not just in our world, guys, but in our backyards. And she's been active in this adventure for a number of years. She's gone into places that a lot of us would refuse to go into with the sole purpose of finding someone and rescuing someone. And, and this past Thursday was uh, world, the World Day Against Trafficking, and, and, and Mac wanted to do something uh, to help raise awareness and to raise some funds for, for a great nonprofit dedicated to fighting human trafficking in it called uh, Operation Underground Railroad. And, and so, so Mac does what we are told to do here in verse 24. She recognizes how our efforts are multiplied when we are walking in community, and she invites uh, uh, her friend, another merger, 
Cindy to adventure with her. Uh, Cindy uh, owns a gym in town called Redemption Barbell uh, and, and allows her husband Nick to uh, even claim ownership of it from time to time. Uh, and, and over the last, uh, it's been uh, three years, four two years, two years, um, they have built, uh, I feel like, well, I'm, I'm counting the garage days. I don't know if that's still two year, four years, okay? Um, but the last two years, they've been open for business outside of a, just a garage at someone's house. And, and they have built an incredible community based on this, point, this thought that everybody deserves redemption. Everybody deserves love. And so, so Mac says to Cindy, hey, let us spur one another, stir one another on in love and good deeds. And let's do something. And on Thursday, uh, what they did is they, they leveraged the gym for a great cause uh, and over the last uh, since yesterday uh, they were able to raise uh, right about a little over $5,300 to be able to give and they started this on Monday? Monday. And what you do and uh, the money is great and the awareness is, is great. Trying to help people See the things that we really don't want to see. To, to encourage people to step into the gaps that we don't want to step into because it's hurt and it's painful and it's messy and it's dangerous. But what I loved about that, what makes me most proud, is that two people said, hey, how can we do something great for God this week? How can we stir up one another in love and good deeds. And I love, I love the gym. I get to be part of that gym. And I get to be part of that community. And I loved listening this week as people were like, hey, I watched this documentary and it broke my heart. Uh, and, and, and I loved hearing our willingness to talk about really difficult things. I loved, I loved hearing, uh, being able to explain to kids as, as much as we could at that level that, that, that kids um, are not safe in all places. And I love them being able to, to work through that and come up with just this one declaration that all kids deserve to be loved. And so that starts simply with this command. Let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good deeds. And it's not about doing good deeds so that we can brag about what we've done. It's, it's stirring up so that we can understand how we can walk. It's one of the most practical ways of seeing how we do this and again I'm so proud I so I am like like boohoo tear kind of proud of seeing that that's that's the way it should work with the body of the of the church what I love about it is we didn't have to come in and say hey we want to do this let's all sign up and do this this was just people who love Jesus loving Jesus and that's the way it's supposed to work. And, and so we stir up one another in love and good deeds. And then the writer gives us this negative command that we would not neglect one another. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I think pastors will typically misuse this verse over the years because they'll lace it with, with guilt when people aren't showing up for church on Sundays. And they'll say, don't forget, you know, um, don't forsake the fellowship. And, 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 and uh, though I think there may be parts of that that applies here, but I believe this text is not so much a mandate for 
for corporate worship services as it is a mandate for regular small groups of Christians to get together for mutual encouragement. Uh, and so, so, so we know this because verse 25 says that the meeting together is for encouraging one another. And so by and large, what we do here is not encouraging one another as much as it is uh, for we gather together and we lift high the name of Jesus and we sing in song and then by and large you sit here and listen to me for a little bit. Uh, and and, and I, I believe when it says to encourage one another, it's not just for the pastor to encourage you. I think that's important and I believe that, that preaching is, is God's will in the church, but something more than this is implied in this phrase, one another. It gives us a mutual responsibility. And it gives us a place to go. And I think it's, it's difficult to stir up love in love and good deeds if we do not have a relationship with other Christians past the meet and the greet and the, the beginning of our gatherings. We, we should pursue getting together. We should pursue talking about what God is doing in our lives and how we are walking with Him. And, and we should explore community in the sense where honoring God is not only encouraged, but, it, but it's expected and accountability is provided. It's where we look at each other and we say, hey, we've been given this incredible opportunity to do something more with our lives than just making it about ourselves. So, so we stir up one another and we don't neglect one another so that we can encourage one another. And encourage means to challenge and to exhort and to, to prod one another to make the most of our worship of Jesus. That's what it is. And so, so when one of us drifts, we should step in and bring them back. When one is weak from battling, we should hold each other and provide protection. That's the way it's supposed to work. And if, if the hope we have in Jesus is freeing, is the freeing power to love, then what do you suppose the encouraging things are that we are to say to one another as we stir each other up in love and good works? And I, think, I think the answer to that is, is we're to speak the promises of God to each other. And we are, we are to tell each other stories from the Bible and from experience that bolster our faith that God will indeed keep His promises to us. And I, and I think probably, because we get to the end of verse 25, and it says that we are to encourage each other all the more as you see the day, right? Uh, and it's a big, big D there, right? Big day, like, like a significant day. Uh, and it says, all the more as you see the day drawing near. And I think, he, I think the writer tells us this, and I think this is why it's important to have biblical community that on top of your Sunday morning biblical community. Uh, because the end of days in this age, when we get, as we approach there, we're going to see days of great stress and great evil and great temptation when we need each other more than ever. And Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, He says, Because the wickedness is multiplied, most men's love will grow cold. And so if our meeting together is meant to encourage each other and stir us up to love, then, then it is obvious why we must do these things all the more as we see the day, the day of Christ's return approaching more and more. That the greatest threat, the threat against our faith 
and our love will increase with the passing of each day. So let's, let's start, start wrapping this up, Swan. All right, so again, uh, like last week, we just said a whole bunch of stuff. It's almost like a fire hydrant, right? Because there's, there's two big bites that we've tried to take, right? Bite one is that we can have confidence to draw near to God because of what He has made available for us in Jesus, that, that we can come to Him with confidence. And, and I think the best way of thinking of it is we can come to Him with the confidence of a kid who knows, who knows deep down in his soul that he is loved by his dad. That he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to slowly walk in and fear that he might upset his father. That he walks in with all the confidence of a son who knows, who has been told by his dad over and over and has proven by his dad over and over that I love you so much. I love you with all the love that I can, I can muster. That, that, that we get to, with, to walk in with confidence as a kid who bounds into his father's presence because he knows that he is loved and his father has promised to provide and to protect him in the best ways possible. And my heart for you is that you would recognize that every moment of every day. That if you are found in Jesus, you have a Heavenly Father who is for you, who is unfailing. The invite too is simply this, that because of this confidence, we're to not only draw near to God, but draw near to each other. That we, we cannot settle for a picture of a biblical community that waves fives on a Sunday and then lives on an island void of that community the rest of the week. We can't. We must pursue relationships with intentional gospel focus in mind. And now, now the question is, is how do we do that? And, and one of the worst models that the church has ever presented is, is, them giving, is us giving you the idea of let us force that for you. And really all we can do is give you an environment to where you bump into people, but it takes you. It takes your willingness to get to know people. It takes your willingness to say, hey, I want to have a time where we gather together and we intentionally talk about some of these things. And you say, well, that sounds like work. It is, but it's so necessary. That, that you have to decide to take the risk and to get to know people and invite them into relationship, not only is this important, it's biblical that we are to be a community who helps build one another so that we can live and we can help those who are far from God find life in Christ. That's what it is. And if your intention is just to come in and consume, you'll always struggle with forming that kind of community. You will, because you will say, I want it to be easy. And I want it to be instantaneous. But that's not how life-changing relationships happen. It takes time. It takes work. Every single life-lasting, life-changing relationship that you've had has always gotten to this point of, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> we can either fight for our relationship or we can just let it die. And relationships that I believe 
that we're talking about here are the ones who say, hey, because of what we have been given and the privilege of Jesus, let us together live for the glory of God. Let us. So when you need support, I'm here to provide it. When you need a companion for the adventure of the God side, I'm God size, I'm willing to step beside you. When you're walking and you fall, I'm here to help pick you up. And when all those things are true about me, you're there to help me. But let's not forget. It's never about how good of a friend you are. And it's not about how great of a church this is. It's about how incredibly marvelous Jesus is to us. How incredibly compassionate and good the Father is to us. That's what changes everything. I love you guys. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. We wrap up. Let me make a couple things available. If you need prayer, we want to pray with you. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. We believe firmly that it is impossible to have a right relationship with the Father apart from the Son. And we get you might have questions for that. We want to help answer some of those. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible love. We thank you for your design of the body of believers and how we can how we can walk together. And I pray that we would be a body, a community even in this really bizarre time of social distancing where where we have people in this room and we have people online and and I pray that you would help us understand the importance of community in this season. Father, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say, Amen.
because you are dismissed.